This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. As Congress moves ahead with President Obama's stimulus plan, what will the impact of the legislation be? And will it be, on balance, any better than doing nothing at all? Cato Institute Senior Fellow Alan Reynolds comments. President Obama and, more sharply, Vice President Biden have uh, made the point that uh, there is essentially no disagreement within the economics profession that a broad, large government spending program is necessary to jumpstart, uh, revive, bring the economy out of recession. Yeah, it's one thing to ignore your the people who disagree with you. It's another to say they don't exist. Uh, Cato put out an ad with 250 leading economists, and among them three Nobel laureates, saying spending is not the way to to help, uh, uh, quote-unquote, jumpstart the economy. It's never worked. No one can point to an example when it did. Um, And uh, in my own pieces in the National Review and the Wall Street Journal, I go through quite a few academic studies, uh, as well as the logic of it all, uh, that that, uh, seriously question it. They are, at the IMF, uh, torn between uh, the International Monetary Fund, torn between some who say, the multiplier might be as high as one, meaning a dollar of government spending gives you a dollar. That's nothing. And some who say it might be below zero, that is to say, and they, they use for an example, obvious examples, one is Denmark, but another is Ireland. Ireland cut government spending by 7% of GDP. That's like us eliminating two pentagons. And nothing bad happened. Only wonderful things happened. The economy turned around. They started importing people, not just Irish people, but others. I mean, they're having their problems now, too, but they had a really good long run of it. And it's partly because they, by taking the spending down, it took off the actual tax burden, but also the expected tax burden. Because if you're not spending too much, you're not in fear that if they're not taxing now, they're sure going to do it pretty soon. Um, So the Irish miracle is... The exact opposite of the Keynesian lesson, and the Japanese slump is Keynesian economics drawn to its logical conclusion. It doesn't work. To the extent that um, banks and individuals are in a process of deleveraging, again, why stimulus? Well, that's particularly uh, ironic when it comes to all the pressure to get banks to lend more. Uh, I mean, the the notion that that we should be shoving credit on people who are up to their ear and and firms that are up to their ears in in debt, uh, this is not helpful. Uh, the, the The problem is not that uh, isn't spending. Again, we keep focusing on the problem is profits. Business has become less profitable. They're not laying off people because they're mean, but because they're in danger of going out of business if they don't cut costs. Now, profits are not simply a matter of retail sales volume. A lot of these companies don't even sell retail. Uh, uh, they are a, a product of the amount sold times profit margins. Uh, if, for example, General Motors is losing $2,000 on every small car, it doesn't help them to sell more cars. Uh, now, some of the things that have hurt profit margins are getting better. One of them is energy costs are down, commodity costs are down, two very expensive parts of cost of production of something like an automobile. Um, uh, labor costs have moderated. This tends to happen when people are worried about losing their jobs. They get a little less greedy, with one notable exception. The minimum wage is up. Very bad timing for a bad, very bad law. So we're seeing a lot of mechanization of retailing that might not otherwise occur and job loss as a result of government helping us again. Uh, too much help, and we really get in serious trouble. You break down the cost. Uh, in your recent Wall Street Journal piece, you break down the cost of 
each individual job created, government job created uh, of the stimulus plan, what is that? Well, the spending side of of the bill, it's growing even as we speak. But at the time, it was, they were talking about spending $550 billion of an $825 billion package over two years, two-thirds of it, in other words, being spending. Uh, of that spending, 39% went directly to state and local governments, and another $20 billion or so went to federal government. Uh, and uh, another 17% or so goes to health and education, where... Government jobs are certainly prevalent, schooling, for example. Well, it turns out that the unemployment rate in government is 2.3% at last count in December, and the unemployment rate in uh, uh, health and education is uh, just a shade over three. In other words, most of the money is going where the problem isn't, uh, which seems a little strange. And also, when you, when you take the number of jobs they claim they're going to create, government jobs, out of this, some 344,000 uh, and you divide that by the amount of money spent, uh, $214.5 billion, or vice versa. You divide that the, mon- the money by the number of jobs. It comes out to uh, $646,214 per person per new job, either saved in this case or maybe added. That seems a little high and, and a little inefficient. And there's not much you can say about it. You could say, well, maybe some of those – so maybe the states and localities are going to subcontract the work to private sector, and those are being counted. The, the number is just too too large, and the gap is too ridiculous to explain. So important fact, the spending part of this is definitely a stimulus for government. It, it takes all pressure off states and localities to trim their expenses after years of lavish spending. State spending was up something like 7% last year. It, 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 uh, it, it creates incentives for, for them to expand, if anything, uh, uh, programs. Uh, And again, if the government grows, it does so at the expense of the private sector. To the extent that uh, the federal government is attempting to grow uh, its spending, uh, it seems to be in an attempt to boost the economy in whatever way that it can to avoid having to make cuts to align its own spending with whatever decline in GDP that we're likely to see in the future. Well, it's interesting that we start talking about stimulus as though the $1.2 trillion deficit that's already accounted for for the, for the current fiscal year uh, doesn't matter. And then so, – so it's – those deficits don't help, but more deficit will. I mean if you do the same kind of division with the total, the total of – is approaching 12 percent of GDP. That is to say if they would do the eight $900 billion stimulus and do as much of it in the first year as they say they can, I doubt it, uh, you'd be talking about 12 percent of GDP. Double the record of uh, uh, post-war or pre-war experience. Twice as high as in the Great Depression. High, high was 59 uh, uh, twice as high as the highest of the uh, after the horrible uh, inflationary recession of the early 80s. The high of that was 6%. We're talking 12%, and we're saying part of that will stimulate the economy. Well, you can't be saying that the rest of it is just a consequence of recession because no measure of the high employment deficit would be that big. Uh, so I'm, the Keynesians are being illogical, inconsistent, and flip-flopping all over the place. The same people who told us that deficits would drive interest rates sky high, among them Peter Ortsog, the new OMB director, are very silent on that issue now. Same people who talked about twin deficits. Budget deficits will cause trade deficits, obviously taking away the stimulative effect in the, even in the Keynesian model. 
um, are, uh, with some ex- exceptions, Nouriel Roubini still talks about twin deficits, but, but most of them are being very quiet about that. Um, it's as though they're adapting their arguments to, to support a number which is just ridiculously huge. Alan Reynolds is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.